G'day, I'm Tom Bosner and today is another Chief Wellbeing Officer Update. And today we're talking about the right to disconnect in the workplace. Now, for those that don't know, the Chief Wellbeing Officer Update is a fortnightly insights column that I write on LinkedIn. And it's all about in relation to performance and wellbeing at work. So if you haven't joined us and you'd prefer to read this instead of listen, look me up on LinkedIn and you'll be able to subscribe to the Chief Wellbeing Officer update. So one thing that comes to mind when talking about the right to disconnect, the first thought I always think of is the amount of digital tools that we use in the workplace nowadays, such as emails, social media platforms, things like Slack, project management tools like monday.com. They're all designed in some ways to enhance our productivity and our output, or at least that's how they are sold. But I'd argue that we're getting to the point with technology where we rely on it so much that it's really reaching peak saturation levels. Things like your phone now, which is also a credit card, which is also your transport your pass to get on and off public transport. It's all turning into one thing. And I don't know that it's making us smarter at all, but it's definitely designed to hold and retain our attention. Now, just a quick note, I did speak with Dr. Christy Goodwin on this topic back at episode 12, and we talked about the idea of, are your workplace technology tools making you more productive? And it's on the same page as the right to disconnect. So if you're looking for a really in-depth discussion on this topic of digital tools and digital well-being, head across to that episode now and have a listen to one of the best digital well-being experts in Australia, Dr. Christy Goodwin. So with the right to disconnect as a concept in the workplace, I really like to take a step back and think about the current state of work and also what sort of era we are in. And during, by doing some research, um, I looked into the concept of that eight hour work, work week, or sorry, eight hour work day. Because if you think just prior to the, the pandemic starting, most of us were of the mindset of 40 hours a week, eight hours a day was really our sort of our routine. And, and not everyone was coming into, to work for those five days, but it was certainly that expectation or that that mindset of that 40 hours. And I thought, where the hell did that come from? And so in Australia, I looked up recently and, and learnt that the eight hour workday act was actually passed in Victoria and New South Wales in Australia in 1916. That's a bloody long time ago. That's, that is over a hundred years old. So that concept of an eight hour workday. So it's super vintage. And obviously if we fast forward to now, we are well and truly in the fourth industrial revolution. And for those that have never heard that term, the fourth industrial revolution is really about technology. And if you've taken note of the last 10 years, the, the technology we use now is so much more powerful than what we used 10 years ago. And that integration of tech into our lives is even more full on than where it was. And it's obviously only going to get more consuming into our day to day. And that's where the full effect and the boundaries between the physical and the digital worlds are getting a little bit blurry, um, especially at work and especially during a pandemic when we're all working from 
anywhere at the moment or working from home or a little bit of hybrid, depending on where, what stage you are at, wherever you are in the world, where you're listening to. If you throw in a global pandemic, you add in that eight hour work mindset, and then you stir in a little bit of that Mark Zuckerberg talk of the metaverse, things really felt or are feeling pretty damn weird in, in the workplace, especially on that idea of the right to disconnect. So do you really have the right to disconnect at your workplace? Firstly, what is that? What does that actually mean? The right to disconnect is all about people being able to switch off completely. So I'm talking about switching off from all digital activities, such as work-related emails, messages, texts, a Slack notifications during, in inverted commas, non-working hours. So it's quite a big thought, isn't it? The actual ability to switch all of that off because it's getting to the stage now for a lot of people where at nighttime, they might be watching maybe something on say Netflix, they're sitting on the couch at night, but then they've got their phone out and they're scrolling as well. So all of these devices and all this digital attention consumes us a lot and it's not uncommon as well. I know it from the clients that we're speaking with is that people are working a little bit later at night and maybe dual tasking between some leisure uh, such as Netflix and also a little bit of work and they're all interconnected. So I guess just like professional athletes that train and recover on more days than they play, knowledge workers also require recovery. But the problem is we tend to do the complete opposite, leading to burnout, fatigue, and digital overload. And we know that burnout is a occupational phenomenon and it is an organization responsibility to help set up people with all the, not just the tools, but the framework around how they, their job is designed. And I believe that includes how we interact with digital tools and also where we define our work, whether that is a start and finish time, whether that's important or more about how you actually get the job done and, and do the output. And we know that through the, the pandemic of the last couple of years, the workplace that was once physically attended to at least two or three times a week has now really turned into a digital workplace. And really this has led to that huge challenge for knowledge workers on setting boundaries between home, work, family. And let's be real, that's bloody hard. And one of the things I wanted to share from my chat with Dr. Christy Goodwin, going back to episode 12 is some of the research that she shared in that episode, which I think is quite interesting. And she shared that in 2020, which is really when things started to get a little bit crazy with regards to this pandemic, the workday actually increased by 10 to 20%. And we also had an increase of 14% in attendees in two meetings. And Dr. Christy Goodwin reported that was really in relating relation to people feeling the need to attend to a bit more because they were feeling a little bit disconnected physically from their workplace. And so it's being a bit more present on the digital on, online meetings, et cetera, it really gave them a, a sense that they were contributing more, even though that they didn't really need to be there. And what does the right to disconnect really mean for your workplace? 
So as work tools no longer tied to workplaces, it's really best practice for teams to have their right to disconnect policies set up as a really first step, in my opinion. But once a policy is in place, the more important question, again, in my opinion, is can your company culture lead with positive digital behaviors in the long run? It's all good to have a policy written, but if the culture in the teams is the odd email at night and those types of things, it's just not going to work. So this is really where most teams fall over. And I know we've all received those weird emails from people at night and it's, I just wanted to follow up on insert urgent item. It's just shh, go to sleep. You don't need to be emailing me. And in fact, I got one last night from someone that I won't mention on the podcast, but it was at, done at midnight. And I was thinking, mate, I'm asleep. I've already been asleep for three hours. Why are you emailing me? So in my opinion, some of the positive digital team behaviors might look like a little bit like an agreed cutoff point for email communications, perhaps an agreed scheduling of emails rule to ensure people batch read emails and communications, maybe once or twice a day, a weekly team collaboration meeting that removes those barriers for teams to reduce the need for unnecessary emails and phone calls. That's another one. And probably most importantly, a leader that does not email or text after hours. And you've probably noticed as well through the media that the different countries are now talking a lot more about this to disconnect. And one of them was actually Portugal that recently made it illegal for uh, bosses to email or text their employees after work hours. Really interesting stuff. When I was putting this update together, I asked Dr. Christy Goodwin for her number one tip to add to my suggestions above. And her number one tip for workplaces to disconnect in the hybrid workplace is to actually articulate your team's, what she refers to as digital guardrails. And I guess that really means the points that I've mentioned previously, which is how to, you know, as a team, what are you going to come up with to really set your boundaries and, and to agree on and to stick to as a team? She continues with, given the hybrid work often means that employees are working at different locations and times, it's really paramount that teams clearly articulate the norms, behaviors, and expe expectations when it comes to digital communication. She says that this is critical as employees will be working at different times of the day and night. And because we're hardwired for reciprocity, I can't say that word very well, we find it challenging to ignore emails, Slack messages, and other communications sent to us after hours. She said that research during the pandemic revealed that a 45% increase in communication tools like Teams, and what was concerning was that about 42% of those chats were taking place outside of regular working hours. So establishing digital guardrails is to determine the communication escalation plan. So if there's a critical incident, for example, or a matter that genuinely does require a team's urgent attention, they know very clearly how they'll communicate as opposed to constantly checking emails or communication platforms. 
So really interesting stuff there. The whole idea of a communication escalation plan. I doubt that anyone listening has that at our workplace at Pinnacle Health Group. We don't, but it's a bloody good idea because if everything seems to be urgent and if the, the method is email and it's after hours, it's a lot of the time just creating more stress, panic, and digital overload in the team. Now, there's a couple of leading companies that I want to refer to. And one of the really interesting stories is the story of Volkswagen, who were one of the first companies to lead the way here in 2012. And don't laugh, but it, they agreed to stop Blackberries servers sending emails to some of its employees when they were off work. Now, hopefully no one listening has a BlackBerry anymore. They were certainly had their time in the sun back in the, the early uh, noughties, but it was an extreme measure that was like a, a one size fits all for that particular company. And I think at the time that would have been very progressive and probably did the job for what they needed, but obviously in the hybrid workplace. You might have people working in different time zones or after hours because they're juggling kids and they want to work or they prefer to work later. So certainly not the, the recommended method to the madness. And also no one has blackberries anymore. So you probably couldn't do it that way, but it's certainly some great fodder and good thoughts starting for maybe people listening that, that do run a team that are doing this, the silly email dance at night and that kind of thing. Another great example, which is quite close to, to home for us or for me is uh, Victoria police who put together their right to disconnect policy during the beginning of a significant culture shift aims to ensure that members can switch off from work after clocking off. And in those types of industries where you're under high stress, you're in emergency services, they really need that time to switch off. So it's a super important win for all of those in emergency services. And it's a real challenge for emergency and frontline workers, especially through the pandemic to switch off. So that Victoria police example is a really nice one. And so I guess as we progress through the next period of change for the workplace, which I believe where we're on the brink of another rapid shift in how we work, and that is that, that awkward hybrid workplace thing where people can come back to the office and a lot of people want to work, continue to work at home. And you've got those awkward meetings where some people are in the office and they're having a great time and there are 50 people on the screen at home. I feel like that's the next major shift, which also reinforces the idea and the fact that most workplaces really need to find a way to put the right to disconnect policies in place, but also more importantly, implement them. In my opinion, if we can build a fortress around our focus, we can improve our performance at work by working with greater impact and obviously trying to get ourselves into that deep work where we're focusing on getting the, the right things done in, in projects and coming together for collaboration, whether that's online or in person, but really putting again, a fortress around our focus and finding some strategies to enable us to disconnect because when we can disconnect completely, that's where we have our best rechargeability or energy kind of restoration. And that's where we come back and you wake up feeling refreshed. And we know that workplaces have a responsibility to remove the psychosocial risk for employees. 
And in my opinion, the right to disconnect is a huge agenda item for the 2020s from an employee wellbeing perspective. Now, I hope you enjoyed that summary that that comes to the end of, of this summary, which is the right to disconnect. If you would like to subscribe to the chief wellbeing officer update, head across to LinkedIn, search for Tom Bosner, and you'll see chief wellbeing officer, the newsletter as a fortnightly. Otherwise continue to listen to these updates as I, um, roll out that more chief wellbeing officer updates each fortnight. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.